Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Our guest this morning is Lisa Mueller, President and CEO of Futera Power Transition Energy Solutions. Lisa is a mechanical engineer with over 20 years of technical and business development experience. She began her career in the space sciences on NASA project, then moved into the commercial arena by founding and growing her own manufacturing company. Lisa joined Razor Energy in 2017 as Vice President U Ventures. As the energy complex undergoes a global transition in low carbon, to low carbon, a new subsidiary was formed, Futera Power. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. Good to see you. Nice to see you as well. So, Lisa, as I was reading over your bio, and uh, you have decades of experience, of course, technical and leadership and everything else, and you gained the, the all that experience while you were raising five kids. And I thought, you know, as a working mom with three kids, I have to ask you, how'd you do it with five? <laughs> So my response, because I get this all the time, is how do I not? Once you have them, you kind of have to figure it out. True. Um, it, it's honestly, if you have a mind like I do with the curiosity, there's no greater experience than watching kids grow up because they're each unique. They each bring something to the table. They each bring a challenge. But it makes you a better person to have to figure them out. And you do because you love them. So to be honest, the best job ever probably the hardest job ever. Mm-hmm. I would you agree. You kind of got to get in it. Yeah. And it builds that, resilience, so ask, it helps. I wanted to ask which job is tougher because I don't, <laughs> I'm here 12 hours a day. My wife deals with our three kids. So I wanted to ask which job was tougher for you, Lisa, mom or a VP or president and CEO? Oh my gosh. The current project I have is like a baby. So I think they have, <laughs> I'm going to give them equal airtime you don't quit on your kids you don't you don't quit on innovation and part of the reason i'm an entrepreneur is because i just don't know how to quit so they're (laughs) they get they get equal airtime for me um you know before we go into the project and uh, clean energy and everything you guys do um i want to ask you something general about the oil and gas industry and it seems that uh, our industry became kind of the preferred punching bag for a lot of politicians and a lot of people and as a it, it it seems that everybody's happy to kind of, you know, punch that bag that is called the oil and gas, Canadian oil and gas industry. What kind of pressure or challenges does it bring to the leadership of that sector? Well, that's an interesting comment because I would say that ESG is a pretty new topic. So environmental, social governance. Two years ago, nobody talked about it. But when we did talk about it, it really was almost a negative thing for oil and gas because it was new and it was going to represent just a whole magnitude of order of change that we would have to get through. But now in like 2021, 2022, you see so many progressive oil companies standing up and saying, no, we got this. We've got a plan. We're doing it. So because it's a global thing, I don't even make it a federal or a provincial thing. It's a global topic. We have to get along with what the consumer, which is our end user, wants us to do in the space. So the narrative has changed. We have a global focus because we have that kind of product. And I think for the most part, oil and gas is leading. And I think that's a good thing. And in my mind, we should call ourselves, instead of oil and gas producers, we should call ourselves the energy and technology industry. 
Mm, I love that. I love that. I want to bring up the the term transition or transformation. So the the energy transition, right? It's kind of now cliche out there, but I do think it's an incredibly important word. I still read people saying that, you know, we got to turn off the taps immediately, stop allowing gas or oil production. So talk about the realities of transitioning to cleaner energy and how oil and gas is actually part of that transition. Well, that's a really great word. And that's Tichera Power has put a stake in the ground that we're a transition company. So the reality is around the world, 80% of our energy comes from a fossil fuel derivative. These systems are incredibly complex. So not only the production system, but the delivery system, so logistics. You, even modeling the change would confound most. It's just so complicated. So when you take the underpinning of the worldwide standard of living and industry and decide you want to change it, it just simply does not happen overnight. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And I think there's a polarization in the dialogue that really makes me sad because I, I'm a big proponent of energy literacy. And it, there's the rules of physics. There's the capital markets that will have to weigh in. There's a complexity of the systems. You just simply do not change it overnight. And so transition is essential. Mm-hmm. It's not stop. It's okay. Where are we at today? Where's, where's the goal that we're headed to? That North Star, if you want to call it. And how do we get there? And what is a reasonable timeline so we don't create energy poverty, which is a big one around the world? You, you can't say, hey, our first world con- uh, countries want to make sure the third world didn't get what we got to get out of their poverty. So you can't do that. You, you actually have to create the technologies to do the transition, and some of them just simply aren't market ready. So transition is exactly the right word. So that's on our mission statement. We will be involved in transition to low to no carbon solutions. Our guest this morning is Lisa Mueller, President and CEO of Futera Power. So, Lisa, you know, everybody also uh, loves to say Alberta should lead, Alberta should lead because we have the experience, we have the companies. Um, how do we leverage what Alberta has in knowledge and in assets uh, to develop those, that, that cleaner energy and, and deal with this transition? Well, that's so interesting. So we have our assets and we have our people. We have a very educated um, Workforce, very strong in all the pursuits around engineering and STEM and the things that you have to do in the energy industry. So we have that. We've always had that. We've led all kinds of energy transformations before in oil and gas. We're really quite good at things. But more than that, we actually have a, we have a need to stay in the energy game. So we're, gonna, we're going to do it. Alberta is going to lead. We are the biggest spenders in the country on energy transition. So we are going to do that. So... It, it would be interesting to someone argue the case that we're not leading. Show me somebody else who's picked it up. Show me somebody else who spends even close to the billions of dollars we spent. Show, show me somewhere else where we've got active projects on the ground, like carbon capture and sequestration, my geothermal project. There, I mean, I look around and I can't believe the amount of activity. Alberta is leading concretely. Mm-hmm. There's evidence. Yeah. And which begs the question, why aren't we supporting our own industry in Canada? Right? Why are we importing any oil? Oh, boy, you're going to want me to touch this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to so politics now. Because <laughs> there's no scorecard. There's no scorecard that rewards good behavior. 
So oil is a fungible product. And because it comes on the East Coast and there's a little bit of logistics because you can't actually even ship from East to West here. Mm-hmm. So you, like they do, that's part of the reason why we import Saudi oil is because it's, you know, those refineries are water connected and they can on the open market source from anywhere. But should we? Well, obviously I'd argue the case that we shouldn't. But there's no scorecard to reward even the fact that Canada is doing better than some of those imported barrels. So we'd love to see a scorecard and even a global demand, not just Canada, but every jurisdiction to say, hey, I want to buy a clean barrel. How do I do that? There's not a scorecard out there that differentiates between people who are doing nothing in the low carbon space to people that are doing lots. So Alberta wants to hear that all this effort that we're putting into cleaning up the barrel and telling the story eventually gets rewarded both in Canada, but everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a country, we don't do enough um, to kind of promote our own industry? We've shut it down almost. I mean, it wasn't for lack of trying for us to be able to get our own product to the East Coast. But I'm talking globally. Are we sending yeah. the message? Mm-hmm. Lisa, how, how are we dealing as a country supporting or not supporting the oil and gas industry? I'm going to go back to energy literacy on this one again, because so I'm a mechanical engineer. I went back into journalism. I actually wrote a business show, a national business show for a while. And I, I've watched for as long as I've been in the industry. And I thought, you know what? We think that just doing what we do and being better at it will be enough, but we let others tell our story. We got behind on the narrative. So we let probably the uh, ideology that's a little bit less, friendly to fossil fuels tell our story and actually even get the facts wrong. Mm -hmm. So it is our job to take back that story to teach at least this country what energy literacy is all about. The best day in the future is where every Canadian's proud of what we've done and our ambassadors for the industry, but it actually has to start at home. We have to start telling the story on all the channels where we see facts that are just simply wrong. I mean, I just saw, I'm not going to mention the paper because I'll probably get in trouble, but it was a, a very widely read newspaper that wrote something about our industry, and it was actually incorrect. So how do we, how do we combat that? Well, each mm-hmm. and every one of us here in Alberta has to start telling the story because you'd, you'd just be surprised how that infiltrates. We have to use social media better. We have to sort of counter it at that grassroots level and just infect the story with what is a good story. Look how much money we spend. Look what we're doing. Like I'm the first geothermal project in the country. That's pretty cool. We're with Lisa Mueller, president and CEO of Futura Power. We'll be right back. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. We are back with Lisa Mueller, President and CEO of Futura Power. Lisa, before we go to discuss the unique project that you are leading and your company is leading, I want to ask a general question. Um, you know, as a consumer, and as a Canadian that, you know, listen to the news from time to time, not too much because it can be depressing. Um, do you think that the uh, targets that the politicians have set for us in terms of uh, 
clean energy and, and innovation. Uh, are they realistic? Are we going to get there? What's your take? It's very interesting. So I actually believe in a carbon tax as a way to do economics on low to no carbon projects. I do believe it also should come with some red tape reduction so that we can actually build projects that make a difference and actually reduce emissions. But we need a more steadfast, long-term view that is completely aligned with the rest of the world on the pace of change. So 2050 is often uh, suggested as the net zero target. Well, what is net zero? So we have to agree on a definition globally on what net zero is. And there isn't really a governing net zero definition. We have to have markets agree on the price on carbon or the way that you get to low emissions or you just take any emissions reduction that is in another country and send it to another country that doesn't require you to pay for it. So you have to be really careful on unintended consequence. So if the world wants us to move, it is essential that we kind of move in lockstep where there's an agreement. And in Glasgow, they tried to get there. But even coming out of Glasgow, you see people peeling off the targets and, you know, getting softer in some places. Some people are saying 2070. Some people are saying 2060. Some people are 2050. We kind of have to get that lined up or it'll just mean that industry will leave Canada and go somewhere else, which is maybe not the worst of thing, but the emissions go with that. Like they will go somewhere else. And so if you're really, truly trying to lower emissions on trade exposed industries, you have to be fairly unified with the global pace of change and the approach on uh, how you incentivize or de- disincentivize on carbon emissions. So let's talk about your most recent project, the Futura with Futura Power. Uh, you were behind the first co-produced geothermal project in Canada. So how does that fit with this energy transition that you were talking about? Well, I'm really excited about it because uh, for this particular project, sorry, um, this is what happens with a phone call. I actually have someone trying to get me. <laughs> I apologize. It's okay. We didn't hear any disruption on our end. Oh, it was one of five kids. So there you go. That's what (laughs) what it means. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Um, So we we built a co-produced geothermal power plant. What does that mean? We took legacy oil and gas infrastructure, meaning that we extend the economic life of these assets that have been so good to the Alberta taxpayer by adding green energy to a functioning oil and gas facility. So in our case, we have a enhanced oil recovery facility within Razor Energy. Futura Power layers on a power plant that takes that heat, converts it to power. And we take advantage of roads and footprint and pipelines and drilled wells to not only create green energy, but to lower the economic threshold of both the oil and gas side and geothermal. Because one of the things that has hampered geothermal is just it's a high cost of entry. So we've sort of done that practical approach is how do we take what we have how do we use this incredible regulatory framework we already do very, very well? And how do we layer on green energy so that as the oil and gas activity tapers off, we can actually ramp up the green energy production and the taxpayers win for 40 years? It's kind of cool. One of the things that happened when oil collapsed in, I think it was the end of 2014, is a lot of people lost their jobs uh, in mm. the oil and gas industry. And uh, with the new technology, with the new, with your new project and, and all those uh, inventions that you're mentioning and, and Alberta leading, do you see um, the 
industry as a whole kind of uh, helping people get back to the industry in a, in different capacities in 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 a in the future of the clean energy capacity well that's one of the reasons i picked geothermal is cuz geothermal is resource production and our whole province knows exactly what resource production is we've always produced water when we've produced gas or oil and gas now i'm just actually looking at the water in a different way it's hot so all those people that know how to handle water safely and productively in the field can actually do the geothermal side so we've taught our entire staff and it's probably about 80 people that we've already shown how to do geothermal because they already know how to do oil and gas so we're we're actively trying to keep people employed by using their skills adding a small tweak and keeping them employed in the longer term but we're very proud of that as well We're with Lisa Mueller, president and CEO of Futura Power. Uh, you know, Lisa, we, we touched on this earlier before the break, and I'm not sure we've seen more division in the world than we do right now with oil, politics, COVID, vaccines, the environment. So how do you approach conversations with people who you know are so far on the other spectrum? How do we get Canadians to start to have conversations again, even though they disagree vehemently? Oh boy, that's a million dollar question. It is it's funny because I actually have this conversation with my kids on a regular basis and mm. you know, friends and neighbors and all that too. I really worry about the dialogue and this the whole energy literacy which has been a theme of my talk. If we don't seek to understand the fundamentals that govern energy production, we will never agree with each other. We can't shout at each other from very opposing sides and think we're going to get anything. Mm-hmm. The one thing that worries me about the folks on the green side that hand wave that it's going to be easy and you stop hydrocarbons, well what happens if somebody doesn't have heat in their house in the winter? They're going to give up on your platform. Like this winter we had that 20 well, 3 week <laughs> minus 40 week. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the consumer that said, "Oh, I really really want to do greener energy, but I can't afford to heat my house or with some of the new technologies before they're ready because they're just expensive." They're mm-hmm. going to give up on the whole platform because it's real for them and they don't actually have the extra $500 a year to pay for expensive energy. Like that's the reality like on the ground. On the oil and gas side, if the global market wants us to do this, we have to come along and say, "Well, this is what's doable and we'll get there and we'll spend real money to get there." So, you don't want to polarize the conversation to the point where nothing gets done. In Canada, emissions reduction has to include the oil and gas industry. It just simply does. because we are an emitter but it also mm-hmm. includes some of the industries on the other side of the country that cement production is a very high energy industry we could teach them how to lower emissions through the technologies we develop if canada as a whole is going to get better consumers have to be responsible for the fact that transportation is 30% of emissions which is at the tailpipe and if you don't buy canadian oil and you're buying maybe saudi oil it still has an emission So even consumers have to say I have a part to play in this. So nobody wins by yelling at each other from polarized sides and not actually getting the work done. And so I think that energy literacy part about what part am I in the system and how can I get better and understanding that producers are doing a lot and even the fact that we do need politicians to hold our feet to the fire if we're going to have change. And they also have to, you know, make policy and regulation follow what is necessary. but that pace of change and that understanding of each other's position is really fundamental to actually building things like I'm building something I'm doing something I feel great about that I want everyone to feel the pride 
in the part that they play to make the transition happen. I think we feel the pride now. We are part of your yeah. project now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we feel part of the project. Uh, Lisa, we have less than two minutes left uh, with our interview. And, and uh, you know, um, you, you mentioned education. We have to educate ourselves and, and others about uh, the, the uh, industry and, and where we go from there. So where are we? Where do you see the next two years or 2022 and 2023 with projects like like yours and other projects and how does Alberta lead? Oh boy, I think the pace of change in the next couple of years will be um, pretty astounding. I always think that change creates opportunity. I think that the oil and gas industry, as it converts itself to the energy and technology industry, either by name or by function, will be leading the change. We're going to be really proud of it. It's going to be fast and furious. My, my worry really is if we go too fast and we hurt the economy by doing it, that would be unfortunate because, you know, I care about people. I grew up in Saskatchewan, so I remember, you know, we used to have these old barn dances when somebody had a problem. The whole community would come together and raise funds for that one guy. I would love to see us build community around this change. And really, community means that every member does its part. That's what community means. So there's going to be generational change. There is opportunity in that change. But if we don't do it together, it has the, the real chance that it will change the way we have been lucky enough to live in this country. I love, I love how you ended that. And it sure would be nice if we could take the politics out of that discussion and then maybe we could actually listen to each other. But then, but then it, was be, it would be boring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know maybe impactful. But Sorry, we Lisa? as Canadians love to get along. I, I'm going to believe in that. I think we'll mm-hmm. get there. Yes. We hope so. Thank you, Lisa. All right, Thank Lisa you. Mueller, President and CEO of Futura Power. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com.